0: Well, we're back, 10 minutes of truth, walking through Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13, and this has been revolutionary, I tell you, I've been walking with the Lord for a long time, 26 years, and preaching, teaching, and all that, and uh, man, I've never dealt with Ephesians. I've sat under some tremendous individuals, Nathan Johnson, um, he has given probably 20 years of his life to studying Ephesians, and it's just been incredible, but um, you know, I've never really uh, had the opportunity to study it myself, and I just felt like the Lord led me into it this last year, and and um, started to preach it, preach on it recently, after about a year of study. And like most things, to be honest with you, if you listen to my podcast, you listen to my channel, you know where I'm preaching at it across the country. I've, you know, I've I've confessed over the years that you know there are times, uh, oftentimes, I'll I'll you know go into a study you know not intending to preach it cuz my studies are for personal you know gains god's speaking into my life and i end up sharing it but you know the motivation of my study is not to prepare sermons and so that's what it was with uh, what's been with with ephesians been living in it for a year and so uh, you know what i found is again this this church in ephesus which becomes uh, you know over a period of about 40 years 45 years um one of the largest and most influential uh, churches in the in the early church season, uh, you know, we find we we know about it from Acts chapter nineteen, and then you got a few chapters where it's spoken of in cor- terms of its beginnings. Um, we learn about uh, Timothy. Uh, Paul's got a couple letters to Timothy that he writes from prison when Timothy is pastoring there in Ephesus. Uh, we've got the letter to the church in Ephesus, uh, of course, that Paul writes from the same prison. Um, and then we have Revelation chapter 2 where, uh, um, you know, verses 1 through uh, 7 where Ephesus is um, addressed by Jesus um, during a time when John the Apostle, after Paul's death, uh, John the Apostle is is in that body of believers and, um, you know, Jesus is addressing a, about a specific season. And, we, you know, this, this church was just phenomenal in the first century. I mean, just um, the fruit was seen in all these other churches. In fact, those other uh, six churches in Revelation chapters 2 and 3 are fruit of this church. Um, and then there are other churches in the New Testament that are mentioned. Heropolis, which was in Ephesus, or excuse me, in, in Asia Minor, was, a, was produced out of the Ephesian church. Um, you know, uh, Smyrna, um, you know, Colossae, um, that church was produced out of the ministry of this church in Ephesus, so it's just a tremendous church, and and everything that Paul, I've made this point, I tried to make this point clear that every uh, everything that Paul, all the instruction that Paul is giving in this letter, they've they understand it. There was no this is not a correct a correction letter like the letters to the church in Corinth. You read Corinthians; he's correcting. I mean, you can just—he's like, "Wow!" He's giving them this like biblical spanking kind of a thing. He's just really coming after him, but in correcting things as he should. You know, ephesians it wasn't a correction letter. It's not like it didn't like Corinth. It isn't like James writing um, his letter. There's a lot of correction going on. This is, man, you guys have been living the message. Remember to do this. Remember to do this. Remember to do this. It's just—it's really fantastic. And so I've been really taken with specifically chapter six. Uh, verses ten down through verse twenty, which is this armor of God. They're going into battle, and it's kind of like the tone of the whole book kind of just pushes you to these verses, verses ten through twenty of chapter six, because there's this there's this war and it's that's going on, and it's not physical. Do I, I, we have this? This is twenty twenty one. Okay, someone <laughs> listens to this down the road. This is twenty twenty one fall. Okay, we're we're in the beginning of November, and <clears throat> you know, we're in the middle of a war, but it's not a, it's, not a, it's not a physical war. I don't even know if I'd say it's a cultural war. It's a spiritual war. And it's the same war that the church has been fighting um, back to the time in which Paul wrote Ephesians that's what verse 12 says. We, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's, it's what, it's what Jesus told, um, Peter. He says, you know, you're, you know, your your adversary, Satan, he desires to sift you as wheat, man. So we have an enemy and he is spiritual. Now with this in mind, with this lens, um, Paul says, I want to give you three commands. I'm commanding you. I'm bossing you around. I'm, I'm just insisting on three things. The first thing is be strong in the Lord. Throw all your eggs in that basket, man. Lean completely in on Him. Rely on His strength and His mighty power. Don't rely on your flesh. Don't rely on your emotions. Don't rely on guns. You don't, you don't need to stock up on guns. You need to stock up on food. And you can, you can do that. Be prepared. But that's not, see, that's not where our preservation, that's where, not where our, our strength lies. We're going to throw all of our effort in Jesus. We're going to trust in him. Then he breaks that down from verses 11 uh, through 13. It's really verse 11 and 13, where he says, put on the full armor of God in verse 11. And then he says it again, put on the full armor of God in verse 13. Now, what we've been finding is the put on the full armor of God in verse 11 is defensive. We're going to, we're living in this world where the enemy and all of his lies and in the culture in which we live, you know, when you send your kids to school, the perspective that the kids live by, the way they dress, the way they talk, what they consider entertainment, the good, you know, the good insights from the news media and podcast people and, and uh, the opinions of basketball players. See, all of those lies of our world are circulating, okay, if they don't come from Jesus, saying that you know th- th- we're living in that world and so we literally sink into Jesus and we get our identity from him we don't we don't get our identity see girls should not get their identity by comparing themselves to other girls because that's not the voice of the holy spirit they don't get their identity in terms of how they look uh, you know, you know they, how tall they are, their shape, their thick, you know, all of that. All that's lies. All that's lies. See, they they get there to get their identity and how Jesus himself views them. See, from the scriptures, from the word. So we literally sink back into him. That's our defensive posture. Now, when you come into verse 13, when we put on the armor of God, this is a f- offensive language. We're in the offense here. We're not just you know, in basketball. We're not just down defending. We're going and trying to score. See, this is this is actually the hand-to-hand combat. And specifically, it says in verse 13, it says, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes. See, this is a specific spiritual attack against you, which is going to happen. Folks, listen to me. If you're listening to this right now, you are going to have times when you're going to need to just you know, consistently be sinking into Jesus and listening to Him, okay? But there are other times when you're going to be targeted, okay? The enemy is going to target you and your family, your wife, your kids, uh, I believe your property, your job, your livelihood, your emotions. You're going to be, there's a day of evil that will seek you out. Now that that phrase, we go into this in the message, but the day of evil is actually, you can be the day of the Lord, the day of evil, the day of judgment, there's a number of different day ofs. This is a, referring to a specific time. This is not just general. This is, you know, the bully has come, picked on you, you're meeting after school and you're gonna throw down. This is that kind of a deal, okay? And when that happens, this put on is new terminology. This word for put on is different than the one in verse 11. This word for put on, um, is made up from the words up and to take. So it's literally to take up. So it's like you're, you're literally, see, there's parts of this armor that are defensive, but dude, there's parts of this armor, like a sword and like prayer, which is offense. You're going after it. Okay. Now this is super huge because you're, you're never to just go out and just start calling out demonic, um, people or demonic beings you know, um, there are these things that are over cities called principalities. And we'll, we'll end up talking about that eventually in this, in this study and in our study of Ephesians. Jesus never went to Jerusalem and started calling out principalities. Never. Now, if a demon approached him, if the enemy singled him out, dude, put him in a place and dealt with it. But he was not like a demon slayer. That's really important. Okay? So you can ha- you are seated above the enemy. He's a liar. He's not on your level. You are royalty. You are a child of God. Okay? If you're saved, you're living in a right relationship with Jesus. You're a child of God. You're royalty. Satan is not. You're created in the image of God. He is not. But you don't go look him out. That's not your focus. Okay? Your focus is, is living in response to Jesus, setting captives free, taking back territory and cities, Spreading the message of the gospel and loving recklessly—that's your call. Now, if the enemy comes to you and picks a fight with you, he's going to lose. Why? Because you have armor to to defeat him. Um, one of my favorite illustrations of this—and if you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to to check this out in uh, Acts chapter sixteen. Um, if you go down to verse sixteen, Paul and Silas. Uh, it's about three chapters for they. Get into Ephesus, and Paul and Silas. It tells us in verse sixteen they're on their way to a place of prayer, which is back in the early church. Obviously, they didn't have buildings. Um, you know, it's a threat of if you even meeting if you're even meeting with a group of people. Um, you know, as Christians, it was it could cost you your life. So they're on the way to this place of prayer. It's an ambiguous place, and it says that they're met by a slave girl. Verse sixteen, chapter sixteen. They're met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. So this wasn't just like telepathy, this wasn't just like, this was a demonic spirit that was oppressing her. And I want to be very specific on that. You cannot have a demonic spirit that does not oppress. Demonic spirits always oppress. They always demonize. You never live like in a nice relationship with a demon living inside of you and it's all cool and you guys hang out. No, that's not. So she was being oppressed but she wasn't benefiting in any way. In fact, you're gonna see that in the story. So she has a spirit by which she predicts the future. And she earned a great deal of money, not for herself, but for her owners by fortune-telling. See, she wasn't making a buck on this. She was a slave, both physically and spiritually. Think about that. Now, in verse 17, okay, this, they're, they're on this main road. They're, you know, there's a lot of people traveling, apparently the same way, and they kinda of went in groups most of the time for safety. And this girl and their owners, it says, followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who's telling you the way to be saved. This is beautiful. This has been misconstrued. Um, I've, I've heard this totally taken out of context. But she is literally a captive physically and a captive spiritually. Utter utter misery. She's a perse- she's persecuted and she's she's dominated physically by her owners and exploited by her owners, and she's dominated spiritually by the enemy and exploited by the enemy. I mean, this girl's a mess. So she's literally calling out, you know, and I can see her saying, don't end up like me. Hey, these guys are legit. This isn't the spirit saying this, this is her. Check this out. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled. The idea of troubled, his heart broke for this girl that he turned around and said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the Spirit left her. She's free. And she was not only free of the spiritual oppression, but she was free of the physical oppression because verse 19 tells us, when the owners of the slave girl realized their hope of making money was gone, they take out retribution on Paul and Silas. And so literally this is a hand-to-hand combat scene where the Lord just reveals to Paul of this predicament this young innocent girl is in and she's being uh, exploited, she's being oppressed. And Paul, hand-to-hand combat, takes up the authority of who he is as a child of God and sets the girl free, casts out the demon and she's completely free. The owners couldn't exploit her anymore. What a phenomenal story. That's the, that's the beauty of the put-on language that Paul is using in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. We have offensive weapons. Listen, I'm going to be doing a sermon. It may even be online already, but it's out of um, uh, Matthew chapter 16 and it's about binding and loosing you and i and that's offensive language there as well it's not just defensive that's offensive language you and i are sent into the world to love and set free we are we are literally called to to set captives free in fact if you were to look just really quickly i can look this up in luke chapter 4 when uh, Jesus comes out of the temptation scene and he walks into this church and preaches, reads the scroll out of Isaiah. This is what it says, beginning in verse 18 of chapter 4, Luke. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Why? He's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Dude, he was on a mission, man. That's offensive language. Everywhere I go, dude, I'm setting someone free. I'm loving someone. I'm, I'm, I'm on the offense. Christians are not just hiding in their houses, waiting for Jesus to come back and save us. Come on, man. We're on the offense. Oops. I'm looking at my clock. We're over, we're over our 10 minutes of truth. This is the 15 minute of truth day, but listen, this is a powerful study. I encourage you if you haven't went back and listened to the whole sermon, go back and listen to it, study it yourself. But, uh, And we're called, we're called to live, not just on, and we have defensive aspects of the armor. We're operating out of the mind of Christ. We're sinking into him. He's our strong tower. He's our protector. It's his voice. You know, I'm not going to believe the lies of of the enemy. Just the enemy can't get through the defense of my father and the way he loves me and takes care of me. But I'm on the offense, man. I'm sent into a world, sent into a world to make a difference. And, uh, Quite frankly, I hope you are too. Hey, love you. See you next time. For more information, visit www.jeremiahbullock.com. That's www.jeremiahbullock.com.